Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The LGBT community used to be a group of gays and lesbians who wanted the same rights that all Americans do. They wanted to live their lives free of discrimination. They wanted to serve in the military. They wanted to marry. They wanted to be fully integrated into society. All of that has luckily been achieved, but now they want nothing more than to ram every bit of their far left agenda down your throat, and they are going completely insane in the process. This is Rob Smith is problematic. Now, the LGBT community is a source of a lot of conversation here in America. And notice, I I should start up front by saying that, you know, a lot of the, the far left woke crowd, they want you to say LGBTQ. They want you to say LGBTQIAK plus plus whatever. I am not aware of what the alphabet soup is calling itself nowadays. But I say the LGBT community because I do not say LGBTQ. I think that that Q, which apparently stands for queer, I do not even know what that means. But I think that that Q is in trouble. Because as you will learn, and if you have heard me speak on this issue before, the LGBTQIAK, whatever, um, is going completely insane because they keep on rewriting the rules as to who they are, what they want to be, and what they want to be called by other people. So I do not say LGBTQ. I say LGBT community. And I'm going to talk to you a lot about why they have gone completely insane, why they have gone crazy, why most rational thinking gays and lesbians want absolutely nothing to do with the far left LGBTQ. But before I go into that, I wanted to give you guys a sense of what I really do think about these pride events, what I really do think about about being a gay man, what I really do think about all these things. Because I I know that I, I occupy a very interesting space here. I know that a lot of my listeners, probably, you know, a lot of people that follow me, that watch my stuff, that that listen to this podcast, some of them don't even know that I'm gay until I bring it up. Because honestly, in 2021, it just doesn't really come up that much, right? Unless I'm really taking on this topic. But I want you guys to understand the mind frame of where the average non-insane gay and lesbian America American is really coming from when they talk about all this stuff. So I want to talk about my history with all of this stuff. So, you know, if you've read my book, Always a Soldier, Service, Sacrifice and Coming Out as America's Favorite Black Gay Republican, I you know, realized that I was gay probably, you know, around when I was a teenager and when I went into the military, when I was in the military is when I really came to terms with being a gay man and what that means and and all of that stuff. And at the time that I served in the military, I could have been fired purely for being gay. Uh, This is not, you know, me like sexually harassing superiors or anything like that. Purely for being gay, I could have been fired. When I got out of the military and I got involved in a lot of activism concerning ending that don't ask, don't tell law, which basically, like I said, made it illegal for gays and lesbians to serve openly in the United States military. Um, And I 
thought that I was doing the right thing. And to this day, I really do still believe in that. I believed in um, everything that I said and did when it came to giving gays and lesbians the right to serve openly in the military. Because for me, my service in the military um, was one of the, the greatest gifts that this country has ever given to me. And it has given to me so much. So I did not want that ability to be deprived of people just because they were gay or lesbian, which is why I, I fought so hard against that. Going back a little bit, so this uh, this is the, the first week of, of Pride Month, right? The LGBT Pride, and everybody has their Pride parades and all that other stuff. I, I think that we have gotten to a point right now in society, and I'll get into a little bit of this, but the Pride marches and the Pride events and everything like that have become so saturated because now it is just a marketing demographic for these companies and corporations to throw a rainbow flag and say, oh, yes, you know, gays, we support you, all of this other stuff. Now, when I went as a young gay man, I was, I think, I believe I was 20 years old as a young gay man, when I went to my first Pride event, and I really want you guys to understand what this was, because I'm going to go in very hard on what it has turned into, but you have to understand what this used to be. So when I was 19, 20 years old, uh, I was in the military, I was on Fort Carson at the time, my first Pride event, I drove an hour to Denver. I couldn't do anything like this in Colorado Springs because if I, you know, gotten found out, I would have been fired, etc. And so for me, the first time that I went to a Pride event, it was it was very small. It was in downtown Denver. I think there was a park, there was a march, there weren't like leather people, there weren't people in like puppy costumes, it wasn't anything like people weren't in rainbow thongs. These were not things that were aggressively sexual. It was literally just young gays and lesbians saying, hey, you know, we're gay and lesbian and this is cool. And so many, you know, young gays and lesbians at the time, like I said, I was 20 years old. You're raised in this society where you you know that you're different, uh, but you're socialized differently because we're not able to kind of like date and, and, and do all of that stuff until much later. So we're, we're kind of like late bloomers in that way. And so me going to the first Pride event was like, wow, I'm around other gays and lesbians. So I didn't feel I didn't feel like such a freak, basically. We'll just put it like that. I didn't feel so weird. I didn't feel like such a freak. You don't feel that way when you're around people that are like you. Um, so that's my history with Pride. And that is why I understand and still do understand to this day. Um, the meaning behind that stuff and the reason that people have these pride parades and stuff like that. I get it and I understand that. And I was actually having this conversation with Candace Owens on her podcast a couple of years ago. It was one of the first bigger podcasts that I did. And she didn't understand the reasoning behind that. And I told her, I was like, okay, this is what this is about. And this is, you know, what my experience was as a 20 year old gay man when I was at my first pride event, you know? And there's a history behind this stuff. You know, Stonewall in the 1970s, this was kind of like the birthplace of the gay rights movement because gay men and lesbians were literally not allowed to congregate together. It was against the law for us to, to be um, together. And so when Stonewall happened, this bar um, was raided and the people decided to fight back. So that is where all of this stuff comes from. And the interesting thing about it is that when you look at some of the photos of the first gay pride marches, of course it was gay, it wasn't LGBT or LGBTQI or any of this stuff. So when you look at the photos of the first gay pride marches, you basically see um, a lot of uh, very normal looking men and women just marching. They, they, they had signs that said gay liberation, we're here, all of this other stuff. 
these normal people, normal men, normal women, dressed, jeans, t-shirts. This was in the 1970s. It was nothing, anything crazy. And so that is the history behind all of this stuff. And, and that was what you saw. And the shift happened, the shift towards uh, the debauchery that you see now, the shift towards everything being so extra, so aggressively sexual, so marketed to children and all of this other stuff. This shift came within, I would say, the past seven to 10 years, because now everything that gays and lesbians had been fighting for for decades had been achieved, right? We are more or less fully integrated into society. That came to a head in 2015 when marriage equality was passed. So now marriage equality was the law of the land. That meant that gays and lesbians could now be married. And if you talk about conservatism and if you talk about all of that stuff, one of the the bedrocks of the society is the family. And so now this was gays and lesbians actually being allowed to participate, actually being allowed to be married, um, which gave us lots of legal rights as well. At the same time, or a couple of years before that, we had been given the right to serve in the military. So now you have these two main functions of, of integration into the society, being able to be married, being able to serve in the military, being free from being discriminated against. So these are all things that gays and lesbians had. These are all things that gays and lesbians had uh, around 2015-2016. And so the shift to the craziness that you will see at the end of this month and that you will see all month, that shift started because you have to realize that when gays and lesbians were fighting for the right, you know, we started all these different groups and these different organizations and a lot of money started flowing into these political groups and political organizations. And this happened at the better part of the past 50 years. So now you have groups like GLAD, the Gay Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, who pretty much controls and owns Hollywood and says, you know, you speak our language, you do what we tell you to do, or else we will say that you are homophobic. Or you have the Human Rights Campaign, which is not a about the, the rights of gays and lesbians. It is about um, using that to, to further a Democrat leftist agenda, right? And this is something that has an operating budget in the millions and literally has hundreds of millions of dollars cash on hand. So this is now, this entire infrastructure that had been built is not just going to go away now that gays and lesbians more or less have their rights, so they had to do something. They had to do something to sustain this activism. And you can see this stuff. Um, there are a lot of parallels between what is going on in the far left LGBT community and what is going on um, in the African American community. Like, you know, you have the Black Lives Matter and you have the, the Al Sharptons of the world and you have all of that stuff. Eventually, all of this stuff becomes a hustle, right? And so now, the push for rights for gay and lesbian Americans has now become a hustle because we have our rights. And so now it has become about how do we sustain this activism? How do we pay people like, I believe, the, the guy who is the executive director of the Human Rights Campaign makes some upwards of $350,000 per year, right? And probably gets bonuses and stuff on top of that. There's a lot of money in this. And so what we are seeing right now and what I'm about to break down for you in this episode is we are seeing in the craziness of the LGBT community right now and the fact that these people have gone completely insane is that there is a group of people that has gotten their rights and they do not know how to accept the fact that they have won. And the great gay conservative commentator, um, Andrew Sullivan, says a lot, says this a lot. He says that 
this group of people does not know that they won. They do not know how to accept the fact that they have won. So now what is going on is they are getting crazier and crazier and crazier. So you will see this month people in harnesses at LGBT pride events. You will see, as I saw when I went to an LGBT pride event, I live in the Tampa Bay area um, a couple of weeks ago with the Log Cabin Republican, which is the gay Republican group. You see people in puppy masks because apparently this is some sexual fetish that needs to be presented at pride events, right? So now... This stuff has nothing to do anymore with the rights of gay and lesbian Americans. We have to make that very clear because the rights of gay and lesbian Americans have more or less been achieved. So this is about basically a community that is rubbing, number one, sexual perversion in people's faces, right? Um, Because to be gay or lesbian is not a sexual perversion, but to literally put on a puppy costume and a harness and ride shirtless on top of a car at 3 p.m. on a hot Saturday afternoon in Tampa, that is you basically wanting to rub everybody's faces in whatever. And so that is where we're at right now. And the community itself is filled with so many people that are so deathly afraid, and this is where wokeism comes to play as well, these people are deathly afraid to speak up about this at all, lest they be thought of as a Republican or as a conservative or whatever. So they will let all of that stuff slide when if you talk to even the average gay and lesbian, even liberals on the left, they are not here for this stuff. Um, and, And they know that it serves absolutely no purpose. So now I told you that this entire infrastructure had been built over the process of of, of a good 50 years, and now it has to sustain itself. Now, how did they do this? How did this activism apparatus that has been established over 50 years to quote unquote fight for the rights of gays and lesbians, what are they going to do now that the rights of gays and lesbians have been achieved? Well, they go all in on radical transgender ideology. And I'm going to break that down for you after the break. So at the point that I'm telling you about, and this is at the point when gays and lesbians had achieved their rights, the the right to serve in the military, um, the right to be free of discrimination, um, and the right to get married. At the same time that this was happening, these organizations started pushing um, a very far left, a very radical transgender agenda, right? So now where gender dysphoria and people that have struggled with gender dysphoria and people that have identified as transgender have been around for, for decades. This is something that has happened for a very long time. This is something that had occurred in about one-tenth of one percent of the American population, which is why it was so small. But in order for the LGBT activism apparatus to sustain itself, they needed to push this agenda. They needed to be much bigger than it ever really was. So around that time, we're talking about 2012, 2015, 2017 era, the community started pushing very hard. Um, radical transgender ideology, right? And so this is the idea that men can become women, women can become men. A lot of very dangerous surgery uh, that I'm going to talk to you a little bit about. But at first, the transgender ideology was not this radical at the beginning. Because at the beginning, you had people like um, Janet Mock being open about her transition. You had people like Laverne Cox and, and Caitlyn Jenner and all that stuff. So these were adults, right? That said that I made the adult decision to transition. 
And where I stand on transgender issues is this. You do whatever you want to do with your body. Just don't make my taxpayer dollars pay for it, first of all. Um, And make sure you're an adult and you're not doing this to children, right? So at first, this was about transgender women. This is about men who had decided as adults to transition into women. Fine, whatever. Don't make my tax dollars pay for it. And now this radical far left LGBT activist movement made this constant and concentrated effort to control the narrative and to limit any amount of speech about this. Now, I've told you guys, this is what the left does. The left controls language, the left controls speech, the left controls the narrative, which is why going back to what I said about not saying LGBTQ, I do not say LGBTQ. This is something that was created by the far left fringe um, so that Q could mean absolutely anything. You've got people saying that they're non-binary, which is completely ridiculous. Demi Lovato came out as quote-unquote non-binary, which means that she believes that she's neither a man nor a woman. This is insanity, folks, right? So this is actual mental illness, and this is what these people are pushing forward. But I got a little ahead of myself there. But the idea is to limit any speech about this and to control the narrative. So when people were asking about the specifics of transition in the earlier days of this movement, you weren't allowed to speak of this. You weren't allowed to ask of it. It it was this thing that could not be named, right? So if you are, you know, a transgender woman, people couldn't ask whether you had had surgery or, you know, you weren't allowed to ask these things, right? Glad and the powers that be and everybody were very successful at limiting any speech about this and controlling the narrative. And mind you, that the gay conservative movement hadn't really started taking a hold yet. The gay conservative movement hadn't started taking a hold yet, so they were very successful at telling people that, no, you cannot say this, right? And this was after we had accepted the fact that they were transgender women and and all of this other stuff, fine. Over the years... There has been more and more of a focus on talking about trans kids. And I am talking about teenagers and preteens and literally kids as, as young as three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine that are quote unquote identifying as transgender, right? And this goes as far up to even who is now the president of the United States, Joe Biden. When Joe Biden was running for office, he did an LGBTQ town hall. I don't even know what that is. It had zero to do with gays and lesbians and everything to do with trans, right? So I want you to listen to, this is what he said. This was a mother, and I think that I have covered this before, a mother of a, quote, transgender daughter who was, I, I guess, I don't know, eight years old or something like that asked Joe Biden a question about what he would do to protect transgender kids. And this is what Joe Biden said. The idea that an eight-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I mean, I think it's up to now 17. Don't hold me to that number, but it's it's it's, incre- it's, it's higher now. Yeah. And that's just this year. And so I promise you, there is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever one or two, one, one your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None. Zero. None. Zero. Right. 
Um, and it's so interesting listening to Joe Biden at that time, who barely knows what room he's in half the time, and then and then uh, repeats this lie. There's another lie that's going on, especially when it comes to um, this this quote unquote epidemic of uh, transgender women of color being murdered. When you break down the actual stories, um, a lot of these these transgender women are number one, they're just victims of run of the mill crime. They're not being targeted or murdered because they're transgender. Um, a lot of them are sex workers prostitutes, hookers, whatever you want to call it, which is a very dangerous line of work. Um, so that's another way that the far left LGBT and, and all of these people control the conversation in terms of that. But listen, going back to this trans kids thing, listen to what he is saying. This is somebody that is running for the president of the United States that is talking about, well, if a kid, if a child says that, you know what, I think that being transgender will make me happy, let's do that. And not only let's do that, um, let's use the full force of the government to do that yet let's use taxpayer money um in order to do that oh and also um let's use the full force of the government government to make sure that nobody can ever ask any questions about this and also if anybody even if they're gay lesbian even if they're transgender if anybody has a question about um whether a child should be making these kinds of decisions about how they want to identify and whether that child should be put on um puberty blockers in very serious medications medications, then you're a bigot. You're not supposed to ask this question because you're a bigot, you're a transphobe, you're all of this other stuff. And what I hate about that conversation, you know, I, I take a lot of risks when I do this stuff, especially as a gay man. What I hate about this conversation is that it reduces everyone who actually has an interest in protecting these kids and actually is questioning how far and how fast we have moved in terms of medical transition of teenagers and children that we are automatically bigots, that we don't care, that we are just being haters, etc. And then also the trans girls that are now competing, these are biological male-bodied people, right, that are competing against biological women and stripping them of sports medals. Now, as soon as a lot of governors, like Governor DeSantis, has just signed a bill into law in Florida, I believe as of this week, that biological men trans teen girls who identify as transgender or whatever, fine, you cannot compete as a biological male against a biological female. It will be the end of women's sports. And so you can't have this conversation without being labeled as a bigot by the far left. And this kind of stuff has ramifications right now. There is a transgender weightlifter that has broken records that is now going to the Olympics competing as a woman against biological women. This person, I believe, transitioned. This is a, a, a late 30s or early 40s year old transgender woman, quote unquote, I believe transitioned about five years ago. So this is somebody with decades of the musculature and development of a man. But as long as he identifies as transgender, he identifies as woman, this person is going to the Olympics and has taken a slot from some woman who has trained for this their entire lives. But if you say anything about that, you're a bigot, right? So back to the issue with transgender kids, the, the issue with the ready availability of these very intense medical procedures being available to teenagers, to youth, to people that are having other issues but decide that, hey, they're transgender or whatever. CBS, to their great credit, 60 Minutes on CBS, did what I believe is uh, one of the most journalistically sound 
uh, one of the most heartfelt um, and one of the most genuine stories on the entire transgender issue. It was a 13-minute segment. Literally Google this. I'm going to play for you a little bit of this segment, but I want to give you some background on this. They talk about the bills that are similar to the one that was just signed by Governor DeSantis that said, hey, if you identify how you like, but if you are a biologically male person, you cannot compete against women in sports. You cannot do it. Now, this is being framed as anti-trans from the far left LGBT, because mind you, like I said, gays and lesbians have their rights. This is basically a trans movement at this point. And so what the CBS story did was they told the story of the people trying to, to put forth these the, the laws that a lot of the far left activists are claiming are anti-trans. But also they went another direction and they they went a direction that the far left did not want them to be able to go in. They went in a direction that they are not allowed to go in. So they were blasted by the far left trans. But I want you to listen to this segment. This is where Leslie Stahl, who's the uh, 60 Minutes correspondent, she talks to a group of teens and young 20-somethings who talked about how they identified as transgender. They were very easily able to do some very horrific things to their body. This is not in this segment, but she talked to one young woman who decided that she was transgender. She was a, she was a transgender male, had a mastectomy, which means that she had both of her breasts surgically removed and went on testosterone and did all of that stuff. And then she decided that she had made a bad decision and she changed her mind. Now, these people are called the transitioners. And Leslie Snall talked to a few of these people. And I want you to really listen to this clip. There's no confirmed number of detransitioners in the U.S., though their percentage among the more than 1.4 million transgender Americans is assumed to be small. They are becoming more public, though. We found a Reddit detransition support group with over 19,000 members worldwide, some saying they changed their minds because of family pressure or discrimination in employment and other areas, or simply regret. We also interviewed more than 30 detransitioners who say they also had experienced regret, including these four who hadn't met before now. How many of you feel that you were blindly affirmed? I didn't get enough pushback on transitioning. I went for two appointments, and after the second one, I had, like, my letter to go get on cross-sex hormones. Two visits? That's it? All four tell us they learned about transitioning on the Internet, where there are transformation videos on YouTube, trans influencers, and forums. I've just never been able to be me, but I can now. So what you're hearing is people that are saying that they were able to get this medication, they were able to transition, they were able to go on hormones, they were able to do all of these things, and now they're regretting it. And now a lot of these people have mental and physical health issues for life. And these people are being put at risk because, like you heard in the segment, and like I said, again, I really, really do encourage you to go to cbsnews.com, find this uh, segment that they did, and watch every 13 minutes and 20, like the entire 13 minutes and 24 seconds of it. It is very fascinating because this is what's going on right now. After this segment was released, oh my goodness, the far left LGBT, glad everybody else blasted it. They said that it was dangerous. 
It was dangerous that they had shared these stories of these detransitioners. It was dangerous. It is going to put lives at risk. No. Far left LGBT is not putting lives at risk. This may actually save people from a lot of the crap that these young kids went through. And so, like I said, this is one of the ways in which the LGBT community has gone completely insane because there is now no more conversation. There is only what our agenda is. And if you are gay and lesbian, you better fall in line. Because if not, you will get excommunicated. And the only people that ask questions about any of this stuff are those bad conservatives, those bad Republicans, those bad self-hating, this is what they say. If you're a gay conservative, you're self-hating. They call people like me. They say, oh, he hates himself for being gay. He hates the community. He hates anything like this. No. What I hate is people being lied to. And what I hate is people trying to suppress the truth. Now... One of the things that gives me the most pause and the things that I, that I really think that are really, really, really underlying and crystallizing how completely insane the LGBT community has gone is their insistence, insistence on infiltrating children's television programming and cartoons. And I'm going to dive into that right after the break. The thing that irritates me the most and the thing that actually makes me the most afraid of where the LGBT community is going, and like I said, which makes me realize how insane they have gotten, is there is this insistence, insistence, that the LGBT far-left agenda and all of this stuff must be put into children's TV programming, children's cartoons. You see it everywhere. You see it everywhere, okay? And before I get into that, I want to tell you why this gives me pause. I want to tell you why this makes me so afraid. The LGBT community has had a very long history with people, basically pedophiles, trying to become a part of the community. They have now rebranded themselves as quote-unquote maps. They call themselves minor attracted people. This is, the, this is the glitter that they're sprinkling on pedophilia nowadays, right? And so every time Pride Month comes around or every time something like this, there are people that they call themselves minor attracted. They are pedophiles. And they talk about the fact that their quote-unquote, this is what they say, that their sexual orientation is just as valid as any gay or lesbian or LGBT person. And I say absolutely not. And so there's a long history of these people trying to shoehorn themselves in to the LGBT community, right? To gays and lesbians, to that movement for, for gay and lesbian equality. This has been going on since the 1970s. And now... Knowing how far left the LGBT is going, knowing how they've gone completely insane, knowing how these people are creating things out of thin air. Now, all of a sudden, there are 500 different genders and there are 800 different sexualities and there's all of this other stuff. Knowing and seeing how far they have gone just in the past decade, mind you, I do not think that it is outside of the realm of possibility that these pedophiles that call themselves minor attracted people will make their way into the community. And the thing that I'm so afraid of 
is that these people in the LGBT community seem to be rolling out the red carpet for this stuff. And that is a part of this insistence, this absolute insistence that they push this LGBT agenda in cartoon programming, in kids' cartoon programming. You've got Pride Month Lego sets, right? Um, A lot of people watch this show called Rugrats. It was a very popular cartoon uh, on Nickelodeon in the 90s. Now there is a new version of Rugrats that is coming out. And so now one of the mother characters is now a lesbian single mother with two kids. There's no reason whatsoever that there needed to be a lesbian mom in this show outside of that far left LGBT agenda. And I have to tell you, I am saying all of these things to you as a gay man. I have no issues with being gay, okay? I have no issues with being gay. That's not what this is about. This is about trying to push an agenda on children. And I don't like it. Now, Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues is a show for preschoolers, okay? Preschoolers. This is what Blue's Clues is a show for preschoolers. And I want to play you a little clip now. Blue's Clues needs to have a song to teach preschoolers about pride events but not only about pride events there is a you know a a cartoon sing-along there's a drag queen that sings this song and imagine just bright colors imagine you know uh dolphins and bears and all of this other stuff and they've got the, the trans flag and the pride flag and the blm flag and all of this stuff mind you this is promoted to preschoolers. So listen to about a minute of this song. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Families marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two daddies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Come on, friends. Families marching three by three, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching three by three, hurrah, hurrah. These papas are non-binary. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Okay, enough of that. And I encourage you again, I'm giving you guys a lot of homework this episode, but I want you to look this up. It's like the Blues Clues Pride Parade. Look this up on YouTube and watch this entire thing and, and see how your children are being indoctrinated by these woke far leftists that are now basically, um, you know, creating children's programming at this point. All right. And so this is this is this is what's going on. Um, This is exactly what is going on. And for me, like I said, it is basically rolling the word carpet out to pedophiles. And mind you that 
if you've read my book, Always a Soldier, you know that I wrote extensively about the LGBT cult. This is what I call it. This is what I call it, the LGBT cult. Um, there was a child drag queen. Now, remember, a couple of years ago, the big vogue was child drag queens, right? So they were basically, you know, these were kids, seven, eight, nine-year-old male children that were dressed up in drag, and it was all about dra- child drag queens, and that was a big thing. They pushed back. They, they got away from that a little bit because people weren't standing for it, and then then now we see all of this stuff happening, you know, with stuff in cartoons. So it was a child drag queen, and I've mentioned him before. His name was Desmond was amazing. And this child drag queen, which was in vogue, he was, you know, he was the thing. This was the this was yet another thing that you had to accept. Uh, and if you did not accept it, you were a bigot. Now, this child drag queen was caught dancing for tips in a Brooklyn gay bar at 1 a.m. I put it on my, it was on my Facebook page at the time. This is absolutely a very real thing. Now, the same child drag queen was caught in a YouTube video miming snorting drugs next to Michael Alec, who was the guy that went to prison for killing somebody. They made a movie about him called Party Monster, um, convicted murderer. All right. And this kid was in a YouTube video miming snorting drugs. And if you get into this stuff on Twitter, like there, there are photos of these these kids with like naked adult male drag queens, and it's a it's just very weird. And as a gay man that has common sense and has the nerve and the guts to stand up against this, my question to all of the other gays and lesbians that are on the left is: Why are you not saying anything about this? And this is why wokeism, this is why the LGBT community right now, the LGBT community right now, this is why this stuff is such a cancer. They say the only thing that evil needs to thrive is for good men to do nothing. And there are so many people that have very prominent, prominent positions in the LGBT community right now that are saying absolutely nothing about any of this. They don't want to say anything about um, Lego having a Pride Month set. They don't want to say anything about Blue's Clues. They don't want to say anything about why Rugrats needs to have a lesbian mom. They don't want to say anything about this stuff because they are afraid of being canceled. But my question to them is, at what point does your fear of being canceled start taking your soul and start stopping you from saying things that are real? And so this is why I believe that the LGBT community has gone completely insane. Because what you have to realize about leftism and what you have to realize about the LGBT community is that it does not stop. It will constantly create more and more things. In a certain level, um, the LGBT victimhood identitarians will always create um, another reason for themselves to be oppressed. And the LGBT community will completely continue to create more and more things um, to add on to this community to, to, to mime oppression and to pretend that they're oppressed. You know, the first it was trans, now it's non-binary, now there's asexuals and there's a hundred different pride flags and now it has to be in Blue's Clues, it has to be all of that stuff. It is too much. These people do not know that they have won. They have gone completely insane because they see the entire world and their entire existence through a prism of sexuality. And if it does not stop or it does not meet a logical endpoint or a lot of the people that are in positions of power don't say this is where we stop, you will see these pedophiles come in. Oh, and you will see people advocating for them to come in. You will see people writing think pieces. In fact, there are already think pieces about it. 
I believe one was published in The Atlantic a couple of years ago. These people have gone completely insane. They will not stop. They will not stop with Blue's Clues. They will not stop with Rugrats. Maybe in a future episode, I will do a deep dive on the comprehensive LGBTQ, again, there's that Q, sex education um, that they're trying to put forth in the public schools. Teaching kids, and, and we're talking about like, we're talking about K through seven. Comprehensive sex education, talking about 100 genders and talking about BLM um, and talking about masturbation and talking about all of this stuff. I used to think that this stuff that I'm saying, that this was the sort of the domain of fringe conspiracy theorists, but it's not. This stuff is very real. And the reason that you do not know a lot about it is because they want to keep it hidden. But when you look at the transitioning of children and when you look at the sexualization of these, quote unquote, LGBT pride events, and we look at the fact that they have infiltrated all of these messages into children's programming that is intended for preschoolers, you will see that it's not something that they are trying to keep secret. No, it is something that they are putting directly in your face. They are showing you exactly what this is. So when this stuff happens, when this stuff comes out, these are not things that I'm making up. The only thing that I have to show you is exactly what is going on and exactly what this is. Yes, the LGBT community has gone completely insane. And now for my straight conservative listeners, I just want you to be aware. Now for my independent listeners or some of my liberal leaning listeners, some of, you know, gays and lesbians that know Even though they may not agree with my politics, they know every single thing that I'm saying about the LGBT community is exactly right. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to continue to let this community be co-opted by the far left transgender ideology? Are you continuing to let it be co-opted by people who want to pave the road to pedophilia? Or are you going to stand up and say enough is enough? Because let me tell you something, if you do not stand up and say enough is enough, and this goes for everybody, same gays and lesbians, if you do not stand up right now and say enough is enough, parents, if you do not stand up right now and say enough is enough, and I am not going to watch Blue's Clues because this stuff has no place in trying to teach my child what this is, if you do not stand up against this stuff, If you do not stop watching it, if you do not call it out, if you do not grab the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say enough is enough, the LGBT community will not stop because it has gone completely insane. And the only thing that can bring it back from the brink are the voices of people that are not insane. Sane people, gay, lesbian, straight, it doesn't matter. If you are against this stuff, and I believe a lot of you are, then you should be strong enough to speak the truth that it is insane. But the final question is now that I have told you all of the ways in which the LGBT community has gone completely insane, what are you going to do about it? And that is the question that we should all be asking ourselves. Because this will not stop. Their insanity will never end. It will only end if we stand up and speak out against it. Before we 
go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.